Two days ago, Republicans in Wyoming voted overwhelmingly to oust Liz Cheney from Congress. There was no fraud. There were no shenanigans. The vote was 66.3 to 28.9, about as clear as a vote can possibly get. They didn't change all the election laws right beforehand to benefit the other candidate, as Democrats nationwide did in 2020. They didn't pause the vote count for days and weeks. It was a clear win for Cheney's opponent, a clear loss for Cheney, or in the mind of the liberal media, a threat to democracy. A close watch on Wyoming and what happens there tonight could add to a trend, and that is election deniers winning primaries around the nation. What does that mean for our democracy and the risk of more chaos like what we saw on January 6th? What does it mean for our democracy that the voters voted for someone that the libs don't like? Ooh, that seems pretty scary for our democracy. According to Hollywood meathead Rob Reiner, quote, Liz Cheney's overwhelming loss makes it abjectly clear the Republican Party has abandoned American democracy in fealty to a sociopathic criminal. And according to Morning Joe, you look at the legislative achievements, you look at how we have come together uh, as a country around Ukraine, you look at the fact the United States is once again leading the way in protecting democracy in Europe. Um, by these metrics, the United States is functioning better than they have in quite some time. But there is, I'll say it, a rump of the Republican Party, which is, yes, it's the, it's the, it's the dominant force in, in, the, in, in Republican primaries, but it's about 38, 39 percent of the electorate that want to replace the U.S. government, that, that want to throw away American democracy. It's that 38% of the electorate that actually is 66% of the electorate that just voted out Liz Cheney. They're the threat. You see, the, the vast majority of people are actually um, a small minority of people when they oppose what I, Joe Scarborough, want. You see the problem with that argument? The libs are saying that when voters reject them or reject their officially approved fake Republicans at the polls, that undermines democracy. When the voters vote for something that the liberals don't like, that undermines democracy, which of course makes no sense until you realize that when liberals use the word democracy, they don't really mean democracy. They mean liberalism, leftism, progressivism. It's not the same thing. When voters elect right-wing candidates, that undermines democracy, according to the libs. When unaccountable elites install left-wing candidates and policies, that supports democracy, according to the libs. Right now, democracy and the leftism of our elites are in conflict with one another. Expect many more attacks on democracy and do not expect them to be coming from the right. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Phil Vetta, who says, giving Liz Cheney any credit for voting conservative most of the time is like going home to your wife and letting her know that you've been faithful to her most of the time. Mostly peaceful means violent. Mostly loyal means disloyal. Let Cheney be an example of what happens when you squish. Of course, that is true. That is such a great point. It's like going and giving your husband a drink. You make him a cocktail. And uh, you make them a really nice cocktail. And you say, wow, this is a delicious cocktail. And then you just put a few drops of arsenic in it. 
And you say, no, I didn't poison my husband. I made him a nice cocktail. No, well, you know, it's that kind of that little bit that counts. It's that kind of the crucial (laughs) deciding bit that counts. And that's what determines a squish. You know, we are going to have to stop relying on these unaccountable elites that hate our guts. We're going to have to start doing for ourselves. When you want to fix your own car, you got to check out Rock Auto. Right now, head on over to rockauto.com and write Knowles in there. How did you hear about us, Box? Rock Auto has been in the auto parts business for 20 years. Family owned. Their goal is to make auto parts available and affordable to keep you safe on the road. And the thing I love about these guys, they're so straightforward. No gimmicks, no sign in at this hour to get 20 to 40% off. No, it's always reliably low prices, the lowest prices you're going to find anywhere. Same price for pros and do-it-yourselfers. The selection is so easy to navigate, even I can do it. One time, I had a buddy of mine. He thought he was going to do better than Rock Auto. He went to a brick-and-mortar auto parts store. I'm not going to tell you which one. He asks for the part. They tried to charge him $400. He looks it up on Rock Auto, which takes two seconds on his phone, 150 bucks. They tried to charge him more than double. Don't let that happen to you. Go to rockauto.com. Get brakes, shocks, carpet, wipers, headlights, mirrors, mufflers, lug nuts, or any other part you need. Rockauto.com. Be sure to write Knowles in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Liz Cheney lost. I don't know. I don't know how. I'm probably going to be spiking the football in this for several weeks. She lost. The democracy spoke. The people spoke. And the democracy doesn't like the libs. So Liz Cheney lost, and in losing, this woman compared herself, I kid you not, to Abraham Lincoln. The great and original champion of our party, Abraham Lincoln, was defeated in elections for the Senate and the House before he won the most important election of all. Lincoln ultimately prevailed, he saved our union, and he defined our obligation as Americans for all of history. Speaking at Gettysburg of the great task remaining before us, Lincoln said that we here highly resolve that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from this earth. She's a regular old Abraham Lincoln, isn't she? And it's not just that she's making these kinds of comparisons to bluster, to try to fix her wounded pride after getting absolutely destroyed with facts and logic during this Republican primary in Wyoming. Liz Cheney, I kid you not, is actively considering running for president. Are you thinking about running for president? It, uh, that's a decision that I'm going to make in the in the coming months, Savannah. I'm not going to make any announcements here this morning, but uh, but it is something that I uh, I'm thinking about, and I'll make a decision uh, in the coming months. Makes sense if you get just completely blown out of the water as a Republican in an extremely red state running for Congress. It would make perfect sense, of course, that you would then run. Uh, for president. When you have no support in your own party, you have kind of tepid support among the Democrats. They'll use Liz Cheney while she's useful to them, while she's attacking the Republicans. They don't actually like her. They're not going to vote for her for anything, but they'll use her until she's no longer useful to them. So she's going to run for president. That makes a lot of sense, right? Now, why would Liz Cheney run? 
probably not to win. I don't think she's under any impression that she would win, but she just wants to stop Donald Trump from being the president. And Donald Trump right now is the leading candidate for the Republicans in 2024. It's not even close. He's up by 40 points. If the primaries were held today, he would win decisively. I'm not sure that anyone would even run against him. And Liz Cheney said in her congressional re-election campaign, she said that the most important thing we can do for America right now is to stop Donald Trump from ever being president again. So presumably she would be running for president, not really to win, but to be a spoiler for Trump. And to that, I say, bring it on, Liz. Sounds great. I would absolutely love Liz Cheney to run for president in 2024 because she would not be a spoiler for Trump. She wouldn't. She has no support in the Republican Party. A a lot of the votes that she got, and what did she get? She got 28.9% of the vote. A lot of those votes were from Democrats, by the way, who were encouraged to go out and support Liz Cheney in the primary, to vote in the Republican primary. So who knows how many Republicans voted for her in her own state with the name Cheney. This was a dynastic sort of name in politics. It's been a big name in Republican politics for 50 years now. Didn't matter at all. So what's her support nationwide among Republicans? I don't know, negative 10%. She would be a spoiler for the Democrats because the Democrats have gone completely insane. Even the majority of Democrats know that they've gone completely insane. The majority of Democrats don't want Joe Biden to win in or to, to run even in 2024. Biden is underwater on every single policy issue. Occasionally on COVID, he creeps above 50%, but usually not. They're underwater on everything. And there are a lot of Democrats who say, gosh, I don't want these crazies running the show. And because the Democrats have pumped up Liz Cheney as this honorable, maverick, rogue voice of reason, I could see a lot of moderate Democrats possibly pulling the lever for her in 2024. So fine by me, Liz. I truly, truly hope she runs. She will not be a problem for the Republicans. Just look at the rest of the pro-impeachment, anti-Trump, pro-Pelosi Republicans in the House. What happened to them? They just got absolutely wrecked in these primaries. The 80%, 80% of the pro-impeachment Republican members of the House will not be in the House in 2023. The only two who are still going to be around are Representatives David Valadao, who's in California, and uh, Dan Newhouse, who's in Washington. Four of the pro-impeachment, anti-Trump, pro-Pelosi Republicans chose not even to run again because they knew they were going to get absolutely blown out of the water. That includes Anthony Gonzalez, Fred Upton, John Katko, and then my favorite, Adam Kinzinger. Adam Kinzinger still just absolutely weeping because he thought that he was going to be able to grandstand, have his, have his close-up. This was going to be his theatrical moment. Totally, uh, totally backfired on him. And then another four pro-impeachment, anti-Trump, pro-Pelosi GOP members. Peter Meijer, Tom Rice, Jaime Herrera Butler, and, and Liz Cheney, of course, just lost. They lost. They don't have support. The people have spoken. The democracy has spoken. And the Democrats don't like that very much because they are a very ironically named political party. The Democrats seem extremely out of touch. They seem very elitist. They don't seem to have a connection to the people. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of the head of the DCCC. 
The head of the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee, Sean Maloney, said that just the other day. He said they seem like elitists. They seem out of touch. They seem like oligarchs is what they really seem like. And so while they, while they talk a really good game about our sacred democracy, everything that they do seems to be designed to mitigate the strength of the democracy and to enshrine themselves in power, including all the ridiculous, extra-legal, illegal measures they're trying to take to stop Trump from appearing on a ballot again because they don't want our democracy to put him back into the White House. Now, we're gearing up for a fight here, folks. We got to make sure that we got a lot of iron in our blood, our bellies are full, we're feeling good and satisfied and healthy. That's why you got to check out Good Ranchers. Right now, go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Regardless of what the Biden administration defines as a recession, Americans are worried. They're feeling it. Food and gas prices are higher than I've ever seen in my lifetime. That is why I am so grateful for my favorite meat delivery service, Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers offers an inflation-proof subscription model that lets you lock in your price the day you subscribe. I don't know how this works. I hope Good Ranchers can stay in business. This is such a good deal. You, you subscribe right now. You can either buy a box of meat absolutely top quality meat. And you just buy a one-off box and you enjoy it. Or you can subscribe. And for the whole life of your subscription, it will never go up. Do it right now. This is the most insane deal I've ever seen. Goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout. You get 30 bucks off plus free shipping. Lock in that price. Recession-proof your meals for life. Inflation-proof your meals for life. You'll be automatically entered to win 30 minutes, by the way, of all access with me on September 30th, if you do that. This offer ends August 31st. We're calling it a meet and greet. Go to goodranchers.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout. In the latest updates from Wiley Coyote, the Wiley Coyote Democrats chasing the roadrunner Trump, they've got him now. They, the walls are closing in. Jennifer Rubin, who is a fake conservative at the Washington Post. I actually don't even think she calls herself conservative anymore. (laughs) Coincidentally, this actually hadn't occurred to me until just now. She now calls herself pro-democracy. So Jennifer Rubin is a liberal columnist. She, for a while, was a fake Republican. You know, the same sort of fake Republican that you see on The View or CNN or MSNBC. Jennifer Rubin appears on all these liberal outlets. And she says, I'm a Republican. I just happen to always support Democrats when it matters. But I'm a Republican. That's why we have diversity of thought here on this panel. But they don't really. So this became completely untenable, even for uh, Jennifer Rubin during the Trump years. And so she stopped calling herself a conservative. Now she calls herself pro-democracy. But Jennifer Rubin is doing her darndest to create new legal requirements that would stop Trump from appearing on a ballot, that would, that would prevent the people from voting for Trump if they so chose. And the argument she's bringing up now is that Trump took the Fifth Amendment in a deposition in New York. So you know what happened in New York. The Attorney General, Letitia James, who ran on a platform of getting Trump. Letitia James is going after Trump's businesses on all sorts of bogus whatever. They're just throwing spaghetti at the wall to try to get the guy on anything. And so Trump goes in there. He realizes that the system is rigged against him. The FBI, the DOJ, prosecutors all over the place have been actually breaking the law since 2016 to try to undermine his political career. So he says, okay, I'm not going to play ball. 
you people are fabricating evidence. You're raiding my home, completely unprecedented. You're, you're launching years-long efforts to spy on me, to, to plant evidence, to do whatever to get me out of office. So I'm not going to play ball. I'm going to play the fifth. See you in court. Jennifer Rubin says, taking the Fifth Amendment should disqualify a politician from taking office. The Fifth Amendment is a civil right that you have. It's, it's the civil right against self-incrimination. And she says, the defeated former president and alleged mishandler of classified material has every right to avoid self-incrimination, but that doesn't mean he's protected from adverse judgment, either from the jury or uh, in this civil suit or from voters. She then quotes uh, Lawrence Tribe, a liberal constitutional scholar, who says, in a special sense, a president or a former president, more than any other public official or private citizen, arguably betrays his or her duty to the American people by taking the fifth. Betrays his duty. Okay, and so they should be disqualified because, you know, the people in government, they've got to enforce the law. And so if you plead the fifth against self-incrimination, for some reason, dot, 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 unclear, you shouldn't be able to be president. Now she admits several paragraphs, not even, probably 10 paragraphs down, she says, true, the constitution spells out no disqualifications for federal office other than conviction through impeachment and section three of the 14th amendment, which bars a person from office if they've engaged in insurrection or rebellion or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But voters certainly should consider the underlying conflict when a candidate for office takes the fifth, especially when the issue goes to the core of our democracy. This is so pathetic. This is so pathetic. This is just like last week when the the Democrats tried to invoke some provision of the U.S. Code, some ridiculous provision of the Presidential Records Act or the U.S. Code to say that if you ever mishandle classified material, then you can't run for office. First of all, the president can't mishandle classified material because the president has the right to declassify whatever he wants, whenever he wants to do it. But furthermore, our constitution sets the rules for running for president sets the qualifications. And there are not many. You've got to be a certain age. You can't have been impeached and convicted. Don't forget the Democrats impeached him twice. They never convicted him because they had nothing on him. And so the guy can run. If the Democrats are so supportive of our democracy, they would let his name appear on the ballot. If the Democrats are so confident that our democracy would reject Donald Trump, and that Donald Trump hates our democracy, they would let him appear on the ballot because our democracy won't vote for him, right? But of course, what the Democrats believe is that our democracy would vote for Donald Trump again. Our democracy voted for Donald Trump at least once, at least once. People, some people have questions, about, but at least one time we know our democracy elected the man. If the Democrats really believed what they were saying, they'd let him appear, but, but they don't. Because to the Dems, democracy does not mean democracy. You don't just see it with Trump. You don't even just see it in America. In Hungary, the conservative leader in Hungary, Viktor Orban, who's doing an excellent job in that country, when he gets elected, when he gets elected by a huge margin, the Western media, the American liberal press, says that is a threat to democracy. When a right-wing leader in Poland gets elected, that's a threat to democracy. 
When a right-wing leader in Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro, gets elected, that's a threat to democracy. That can only make sense if democracy means liberalism and progressivism. They're not the same idea. They're not the same concept. And very often they're in conflict. And when they're in conflict, the libs always choose liberalism, progressivism, leftism. Speaking of people who want to be president, Mike Pence, a loyal vice president to Donald Trump, seems to be hitting the campaign trail to set the stage for a 2024 presidential bid. And he is distinguishing himself from Donald Trump. He is saying conservatives need to cut it out with the attacks on the FBI. Earlier today and elsewhere, I I also want to remind my fellow Republicans, we can hold the Attorney General accountable for the decision that he made without attacking rank and file law enforcement personnel at the FBI. The Republican Party is the party of law and order. Our party stands with the men and women who serve on the thin blue line at the federal and state and local level. And these attacks on the FBI must stop. Calls to defund the FBI are just as wrong as calls to defund the police. The truth of the matter is, we need to get to the bottom of what happened. We need to let the facts play out. I like Mike Pence. He's a nice guy. I think he was a good governor of Indiana. He's just completely wrong here. This is just totally wrong. Totally misunderstanding the facts and misunderstanding the political moment. The responsible thing to do after the outright lawlessness that we have seen from the FBI over the last five, six, seven years, the responsible thing to do is call for dismantling it. If not ripping it up root and branch, at the very least, fundamentally restructuring it. The FBI, at the, at the behest of the DOJ, for seven years now, made up evidence for a FISA court, spied on Trump's campaign, called, let's not forget, let's fast forward a little bit, called parents domestic terrorists if they don't want their kids to get transed at school and don't want their kids to learn that white people are evil because of their race. They're domestic terrorists, we were told. FBI, at the behest of the DOJ, raids the home of a former president and the chief political rival to the current president. The FBI and the DOJ work in collusion with Democrats, a Democrat-funded dossier to set up Donald Trump to stop him from being for president, to undermine our democracy. And you say we can't raise any questions. And then what he does there is he actually uses the same line that the Democrats use. They say, if you attack the political leadership of the FBI and the DOJ, you're attacking the rank and file officers. I don't think that's true. I don't hear anybody attacking the rank and file FBI officers who are going out there and arresting drug smugglers and child pornographers and sex traffickers. No, I hear people going after the political leadership of those two institutions. Rightly so. That's, in a similar way, you saw this during the Bush administration, any criticism of the political leadership, any criticism of the way that that war was being conducted was turned into an attack on the troops. 
So rhetorically, I guess it can be useful, but it's not a good argument at all. Especially, oh my gosh, we're talking about the FBI right now? The FBI actually going in and raiding the homes of Democrats' political opponents? Completely misunderstanding the situation. Completely misunderstanding the moment. I think it's probably an honest mistake from Mike Pence. He seems like a good, honorable guy. I don't really know him, but he seems like a good, honorable guy. And he seems like he wants to be president. So I don't, I don't know why he, would, uh, why he would be running on a platform that's just so politically tone deaf and wrong on the facts. But not, not a good look. If, if the man wants to be president, that is, that is not the way to do it. All right, things are getting hot out there. And when you want to feel nice and cool and look really cool and have a really high quality clothing during the summer, you got to check out Missin and Maine. Right now, go to MizzenandMaine.com. Use promo code Knowles. You've got to check out Mizzen and Maine, especially in the summertime, but really all times of the year, because they combine the absolute best of a performance fabric. So you're not, if you're like me, Sicilian, you perspire a little bit, okay? The best of that performance with a beautiful, really sharp looking dress shirt. Mizzen and Maine combines the comfort and flexibility of your favorite athletic wear with the fit and style of a custom dress shirt lightweight, breathable, moisture wicking. These guys will have you looking great. And the dress shirts are machine washable, so you can skip those trips to the dry cleaner. Think of all the time and money you will save. By the way, their dress shirts are amazing. That's what they got famous for. I think my favorite is their polos. Their performance polos, are they're, they feel so great and they're so slick looking. They've got no-tuck shirts. they got flannel. they got chinos. They have everything. These guys, and most important of all, as far as I'm concerned, Amazing style, great tailoring, great style. 30,000 five-star reviews. And by the way, they just turned 10. So they've got great deals running on their site all summer long. Right now, if you go to mizzenandmain.com, use promo code Knowles, you will receive 35 bucks off any regular price order over 125 bucks. That is $35 off when you go to M-I-Z-Z-E-N-A-N-D-M-A-I-N.com. Use promo code Knowles. Mike Pence, in his comments on how we shouldn't restructure the FBI, what he is demonstrating is something that uh, some Republicans and conservatives still don't understand. The political landscape, especially on the right, has shifted dramatically. Yes, it is true. Ten years ago, the idea that the Republicans would criticize the FBI would be unthinkable. That's the sort of thing the Democrats do. Right. In the meantime, the FBI has targeted Republicans and has broken the law in some cases to attack Republicans things have changed. The political landscape has shifted. 15 years ago, the idea that Republicans would be the party saying, hey, maybe we need to pull back on the overseas adventurism and focus a little bit more on the home front before we go out and try to occupy all these different countries around the world. That would be unthinkable. Republicans were the party of foreign adventurism. Democrats were the party of isolationism. Now that's completely switched. The, the Political circumstances have changed dramatically. And there's one issue where they've shifted in particular that people aren't talking about as much. Seed oils. I'm serious. Seed oils. Have you, if, you, if you're very online and if you follow all the kind of online conversations, you will notice that a lot of people, and disproportionately people on the right, will talk about how there are all sorts of things in our diet that are really not good for us, that have been foisted on us in the last 20, 30 years and that have made us less healthy. And one of these theses is on seed oils. And I have to tell you, I am 100% seed oil pilled. I was skeptical at first, 
My wife kind of got me looking into this a little bit. So sweet little Elisa, some other people too. I looked into it and I thought, you know, I think there might be something to this. Why is it that so many people on the right, which used to defend, I don't know, McDonald's and all GMOs and seed oils and whatever. We were the ones who said, oh, you crazy liberal hippies. You're the ones who are all worried about that organic whatever crap. Now it seems like it's flipped. Now it seems like it's the Democrats who are the supporters of the big, big corporate chemical pumped food industry, big pharma. Democrats are obviously the the defenders of big pharma. That's another issue. Remember 20 years ago, who were the crazy, wild, anti-vax people? They were all on the left. And it was the right that made fun of them. And it was the right that said, oh, vaccines are fine. There are no questions about vaccines. Now it's totally flipped. It's the right that's skeptical of vaccines. So why has this happened? Is it just hypocrisy? Is it just idiocy? No, I think it's people reacting to changing circumstances. Without Dr. Fauci, without the lies and corruption and incompetence of the medical establishment that we saw during COVID, I'm sure that conservatives would not have changed their opinions on chemicals and food or vaccines or anything like that. But when you're in a situation now where we're told if you take these vaccines, they're 100% safe, there are no side effects whatsoever, and you're not going to catch COVID and you're not going to spread COVID. And then it turns out none of that is true. And there are side effects. And one of the vaccines actually gets pulled mostly from the market because people are dying from blood clots. And there are all sorts of questions about about, uh, heart enlargement and all, all sorts of issues with the vaccines. And then also the vaccines don't stop you from getting COVID and they don't stop you from spreading COVID. And it's just all a big lie. At the very least, it was all totally wrong. Conservatives are going to look at that and say, what else are they lying to us about? What else did they get wrong? For goodness sakes, they got the food pyramid wrong. Remember when when we were in school, there was the food pyramid and they said, eat lots of carbs and don't eat lots of meat or cheese or fats or anything. And then a few years ago, they said, oops, whoops, never mind. We got it totally backwards. (laughs) Uh, Just flip it. You say, what? What are you talking about? Well, how could you get it perfectly wrong? But they have. And so I'm not going to go into the seed. Maybe I'll go deeper on the seed oil thing a little bit later on. All of that to say, things are shifting. Okay, politics is not stuck in time. This was one of the big mistakes of conservatives in 2016 who couldn't understand Trump. This was the mistake of the never Trumpers. They accused the conservatives who supported Trump of being sellouts, rudderless, unprincipled, all the nonsense you heard from Liz Cheney. When in fact, the conservatives who saw something in Trump in 2016 were the ones who were applying eternal principles, principles of justice, principles of freedom, principles of all the rest that we American conservatives cherish. They were applying that of a Christian moral order, principles of all these sorts of things. They were applying that to changing circumstances because the conservatives who saw something in Trump in 2016 realized it's not 1983 anymore. If it were 1983, we might want a different candidate, but it's not. We're living in the world of transing the kids, of a radical redefinition of marriage, of three million illegal aliens coming in every day. I remember during that campaign, especially because immigration was such a big issue, you had the squishes and the libs would come out and say, you know, it's unbelievable to think in the 1980 presidential primaries for the Republicans, Reagan and George W. Bush, they were trying to outdo one another on how lenient they would be on illegal immigration. 
They were, the, the, the political momentum there was in favor of giving people amnesty or letting more illegal aliens in. You say, right, back in 1980, very few illegal aliens were entering the country. The circumstance was totally different. Back in 1980, we were promised all sorts of things by the Democrats, that the Democrats would close up the border if we gave some kind of an amnesty. We, we heard all these things. In 2016 and in 2020 and now in 2022, we just know that isn't true. Today, we have 2 million illegal aliens a year crossing the board. It's going to be more than that this year. So you apply eternal principles of mercy and compassion and justice and the rule of law and our democracy, which passed certain immigration laws, our democracy, which if it doesn't have a say on who's a citizen and who comes into the country, then there is no such thing as our democracy. Well, the situation was very different. The, the people who didn't get it, the people who were rudderless or at the very least misguided, it was the people who were just stuck in the past, who were just stuck ossified in 1983 when things, in fact, are changing. That's why we have a democracy. That's why we're not just governed by a sheet of paper. Yes, we have a constitution to set up the structures of our government, to delineate certain basic limits of government. But we have our democracy because politics is about applying those true, eternal, wonderful things to ever-changing circumstances. And if you don't change, you will die. Or at the very least, if you don't accept those changing circumstances, you will die die. Speaking of doctors and the medical establishment being just completely wrong, Dr. Jill Biden, the person that Whoopi Goldberg wants to be the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Jill Biden has COVID again. Dr. Jill Biden has had four COVID shots. She had the two original ones, then she got two boosters. She has COVID. She has COVID after her husband had COVID and after he repeatedly tested positive. I wish Jill Biden the best recovery. I hope she gets well soon. The only reason that story matters is that every single time one of these libs gets COVID, it takes away a little bit more of the credibility of the medical establishment. And what do they do? They make it worse because every time the libs get it, what do they say? I got COVID. I'm so glad that I got my vaccines and boosters. The thing I, I tried to do to stop getting COVID didn't work. I'm so glad I did it. And you look at that and you say, wow, these people are wrong about everything. They keep getting everything wrong. They're wrong on the economy. They're wrong on foreign policy. They're wrong on what you shoot into your body so you don't get the cough. I'm going to vote for the other guy. People increasingly are doing that. And as the democracy does that, that's allegedly a threat to our democracy. Now, speaking of one of those right-wing foreign leaders, that I said is called a, a threat to democracy because the people really like him. That's Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil. Bolsonaro is running for president again, and he just launched his presidential campaign in the city where a crazy lib stabbed him. So Bolsonaro was, was attacked. You, you know, we've had attacks on our conservative politicians here in America. Uh, Brazil, they really got close and they stabbed the guy. So what does Bolsonaro do when he's running for re-election? Does he go and avoid that place? Does he say, okay, well, I'm going to stay far away from where those crazy libs stabbed me? No. He launches the campaign in that place, the place where he says he was born again. This socialist almost stabbed him to death in 2018. He's launching his campaign there again. 
This is what we've got to learn from. When the libs come at us, or right now when they come at Trump, but they're really coming at Trump because Trump is just a symbol of all the rest of us. It's not just about Trump as a threat to democracy. Increasingly, the libs are saying, no, it's all of Trump's supporters. It's half the country is a threat to our democracy. When they, when they come at you, you've got to stand your ground. You've got to double down. You know that the libs are not as strong as they present themselves to be. They're like the sand people in Star Wars. You know, they, they try to really, they're, they're like a puffer fish. They try to make themselves seem a lot bigger and scarier than they actually are. You know that they don't have a lot because Trump, Trump is still standing. We'll get them on Ukraine. We'll get them on Stormy Daniels. We'll get them on Russia. We'll get them on this. We'll get them on that. We'll get them on his business. We'll get them on his classified documents. We'll get, and he's just standing there. That's what we have to do. Don't move. Don't accommodate. Whatever you do, this is the lesson of the week, the lesson of the year from Liz Cheney. Whatever you do, do not squish. It always amuses me when people use the phrase educate yourself as a retort because the people who do that sort of thing are almost always the least educated people out there. They are the ones who need that education. They would do very well to tune into Ben's Book Club, which is back tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on dailywireplus.com. This month's book is East of Eden, possibly John Steinbeck's greatest novel. Tune in to hear Ben discuss the novel, share his notes with you. You've got to be an all-access member to join in on the fun. Go to dailywireplus.com. Become a member today. Join Ben tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Donald Trump is doubling down, by the way. He is getting more and more provocative by the day. Trump is now not only endorsing the Republicans who run against the squishes, he's now even endorsing some Democrats. Trump is endorsing Dan Goldman, who's running for Congress in New York. He says, lawyer Dan Goldman is running for Congress, New York's 10th. It's my great honor to strongly endorse him. I do this not because of the fact that he headed up the impeachment committee and lost, but because he was honorable, fair, and highly intelligent. While it was my honor to beat him and beat him badly, Dan Goldman has a wonderful future ahead. He will be very compassionate and compromising to those within the Republican Party <laughs> and will do everything possible to make sure they have a fair chance at winning against the radical left Democrats who he knows are destroying our country. I would like to thank Dan for fighting so hard for America and for working so tirelessly to stop Trump. He was not easy to beat, but winning against him made me realize just how very talented I am. <laughs> this is why he's going to be the nominee, guys. <laughs> this is why I know, I know there, there are other candidates. There are other candidates who are doing a good job in their current roles and who could very possibly do a good job as president and who very possibly, at least in terms of public policy. Maybe they could do a better job than Trump. I don't know. I'm not saying they could. I'm saying it's possible. You think about Ron DeSantis in Florida. You think about Ted Cruz. He's probably the leading Senate candidate for president. You've got DeSantis for sure, the leading governor candidate for president. There are others too. But this guy, if this guy wants it, this guy's going to get it. Not only because he's leading 40 points in the polls, not only because the feds raided his house, galvanizing support for him on the right, but he's just so funny. He's so entertaining. And I think, not for us, the people who tune into this show are high information, very, very politically involved, interested people, okay? 
by definition. I'm not flattering you. If you're listening to this show, it means you're consuming political content. You're consuming it in a kind of nitty-gritty, fairly high-level way. That does not characterize most of the country. No knock on most of the country. Most of the country has other things to do. They're just not interested. They have other interests. And I think for most people, we're not tuning in to the latest, who did Liz Cheney meet this person? And did this, what did Steve Bannon say about this person? And for your regular guy who just tunes in every so often, Trump is freaking hilarious. He did a good job as president. He's got universal name recognition and he keeps you entertained. And in every presidential contest, certainly in my lifetime, but going back much further, I think, the more charismatic, entertaining candidate won. Trump, obviously 2016, Obama, 2012 and 2008, Bush, 04 and 2000. Oh my gosh, Bush was running against Thurston Howell III. Certainly much more entertaining. Clinton against Dole, Clinton against Bush the first. Reagan against Mondale and Carter, Reagan against Bush in the primaries, on and on and on. And Trump is that guy. It's not just Dan Golden. I'm going to read the other one too. He just, Trump just endorsed Carolyn Maloney. Carolyn Maloney is one of the leading Democrats in the House. She's been there for a long time. Trump says a vote for, (laughs) I can't even get through it. A vote for Carolyn Maloney in New York 12 is a vote for the future. She is a kind and wonderful person who has always said terrific things about me and will support me no matter what I do, just as I supported her very early on. She begged for a check with no quid pro quo, and I gave it to her. In fact, I gave her many. On the other hand, Jerry Nadler is likewise a hard-driving man of the people whose energy and attention to detail is unlike anyone else in Congress. He is high energy, sharp, quick-witted, and bright. You can't go wrong with either, but Carolyn Maloney is the better man. She will lead our country into a very green and prosperous future. Carolyn has my complete and total endorsement. She will never let our conservative movement down. It's a work of art. And I will never forgive Jack Dorsey for kicking that man off of Twitter and depriving us of that for a year until he got truth social up. And now at least you can kind of see it when people repost it on Twitter. I will, I will never, that is so funny because we know that Trump despises Carolyn Maloney and especially Jerry Nadler. He's been brutal to Jerry Nadler. He calls him fat Jerry. It's so, he's so mean to these people. And then he realizes if he endorses them, that's bad for them. And so he does it in this absolutely hilarious way. And that's that. The test, the the real final test of Trump 2024 is going to be the midterm elections. It's why at least the people around him are urging him to wait until after the midterms to declare. I think probably that's what he's going to do. Liz Cheney's loss is a big win for Trump. Had, had Liz Cheney won, had Adam Kinzinger been able to even run for re-election, any of these people, if the anti-Trump House Republicans had won, Trump would be seriously weakened going into 2024. But they're almost all losing. So that is a big, big boost for Trump. And that's a big knock to the other Republicans, who many of whom are great people and would make great presidents, but that's a real knock to them who are seeking the highest office in the land, all these Republican politicians. Speaking of the world's oldest professions, 
politics, and one other one. A Texas Child Protective Services employee uh, was just caught on camera telling a 14-year-old girl in foster care to become a prostitute. Child Protective Services fires an employee caught on camera telling a 14-year-old girl in foster care to be a prostitute. But that state agency said nothing about the video's existence during a recent... Fox 26's Randy Wallace joins us live from downtown with that exclusive. Randy? Yes, Sherman, you would think the judge overseeing the 14-year-old girl's custody case would need to know about the cell phone video, but apparently CPS didn't think so. She's a mother of nine, um, and she does have a daughter who has had some behavioral problems. That's why Keisha Basley turned to Child Protective Services. But then her 14-year-old daughter told her when she told a CPS employee she was hungry, that worker told her to become a prostitute. The daughter recorded the CPS worker on her cell phone. If you're going to be a hoe, be a real hoe, so says the Child Protective Services employee. Thankfully, the CPS employee has been fired. Horrible story. Why do I even bring it up on the show? Yeah, terrible things happen in foster care. Terrible things happen in these bureaucratic agencies, especially CPS. So that's not exactly a man bites dog story. The reason I bring it up on this show is I got to ask, I sometimes ask this question when you see a really outrageous story and we all know it's so wrong. But I ask this question because of all the confusion in our culture. Why is this wrong? Why is it wrong? Why is it wrong that the Child Protective Services employee told the 14-year-old girl to, to be a hoe and to make a lot of money selling her body for, for sex? Why is it wrong? We are told in our culture that sex work is real work. We are told in our culture that prostitution really should be legalized. People should be able to do whatever they want with their bodies. People own their bodies, and they have a right to do with their bodies whatever they so please. We're told this by the people on the left. We're even told it by a lot of the people on the right, especially the people who, who ascribe to a kind of extreme libertarianism and who worship at the altar of the free market. Why should you not have the right to sell your body for sex? Even a lot of people on the right who say, look, you know, I'm conservative, but, you know, if people want to do whatever with their body, that's not my business. So there's no, according to probably most people in the country, at least if you were to ask them about their, their conscious ideology, they'd say, yeah, there's nothing really wrong with prostitution. Oh, but they'd say there's a problem because this is a kid. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a kid. I know that's wrong, but the libs don't think that. The libs believe not only should kids be able to engage in sexual activity, and they encourage sexual activity among kids, and not just even the radical pro-pedophilia, normalize the minor attracted person maps lunatics, but everyone who suggests we give condoms to minors, that we give, that we put minors on birth control, young teenagers in many cases, they, they are encouraging sexual activity among little kids. But forget about that for a second. We've got now got the mainstream Democrats up to and including the White House encouraging kids not just to have sexual activity and consent to sexual activity, but to consent to permanent sexual activity through transgenderism. Not just a one-night stand, not just be a real hoe at the local motel. We're saying, and the White House is saying, little girls, minors, can consent to having their wombs cut out. That, that little boys and little girls can consent to being put on cross-sex hormones, making permanent sexual decisions that could sterilize them. 
a hell of a lot more significant and a hell of a lot more traumatic than a one-night stand or be a real hoe. Much more significant than whatever the CPS employee is saying. So what's wrong with this? The reason it's wrong is because all those premises are wrong. Because you don't have a right to do whatever you want with your body. Because there is no right to prostitution. Because some sexual behaviors are obviously wrong, even if it's between consenting people. And because kids can't give consent. And because we need to protect kids and and make proper decisions on their behalf. And those decisions need to be based on an objective moral order, not the crazy sexual fantasies of the left. That's why it's all wrong. And we should be able to use this wisdom. We know that this stuff is wrong. There's so many things in society. We look at it and we just say, oh, gosh, I know that's wrong. It's called the wisdom of repugnance. And then we just convince ourselves it's okay. We, we allow ideology to convince us that our intuitions are wrong. Our intuitions, our prejudice, the true prejudice, meaning our just natural judgments that we have of all sorts of terrible things, those are good. Those are reliable. Those, we, should, we should generally defer to those. We should examine them, but we should defer to those in a lot of cases. Inherited wisdom, tradition, those are good things. Those are the conservative insights, okay? That's what we've got to rely on. If we throw that out the window, we give the culture to the libs. The rest of the show is continuing now, but not for you. Not for you if you're not watching this on The Daily Wire. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Apple Podcast, if you're on Spotify or Stitcher, whatever, if you're the hoi polloi, too cheap to go join and become a Daily Wire member, for goodness sakes, you're not going to get it. Uh, but we've got a, a great Daily Wire reporter, Mary Margaret Olahan, coming up. And I've got my assault rosary. I've got my high capacity assault rosary here. We're going to talk about the craziest news stories out of the Atlantic and the increase in attacks on Christians and on conservatives heading into the midterms. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.